Hello, everybody. Dave Neal here, stand-up comic host of Bachelor Nation News, and it's Thursday, December 29th. Welcome to Bachelor Rush Hour. Oh, that's right. Thirsty Thursdays, and we're thirsty for some tea. We're winding it down, folks. Packing up 2022. Saying goodbye to a weird year. And we always go, boy, 2022 is wild. 2023 can't be any crazier. We've been saying that for the last four years. And every year, the new year goes, hold my mimosa. I'm going to get out there and show you some new stuff. And we're waiting on those next stories in Bachelor Nation. We're waiting on the, you know, um, next tea to drop, as it were. And in the meantime, we'll scrape the barrel. We will find some news to discuss. In this video, I'm sorry, in this podcast, we've got Clayton Eckerd releasing a very passionate statement regarding his mental health after falling from the grips of fame. It's a very interesting conversation starter and one in which I think is worth having. We really enjoy that we've had Clayton there to share the mental health component of rising to fame on a reality show, especially as part villain overcoming that and everything in between. So we'll get into that in a second. I do want to let you guys know um, I dropped some information, I guess last week, that I found out a Bachelor uh, alumni was being sued for half a million dollars. Talked about this with Reality Steve on his podcast yesterday. So if anyone's new here and they're joining my podcast for the first time, hello, how are you? Make sure to subscribe, follow, like it, comment, do all that thing. And we appreciate having you every afternoon on Bachelor Rush. But I, uh, I told the Patreon today, I said who it was that I was told was sued or is being sued for half a million dollars by Bachelor producers. Do I believe it to be true? Not exactly. I believe that he's had a, or this person's had a threat of a lawsuit. I don't believe they've actually been sued. I think that information would have come out, but I was told that nonetheless, that information on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. Oh, why are you teasing us so much? I got goods for you, Bachelor Rush Hour. I got enough goods to spread around. All right, old St. Dave, that's right, we're here. Let's get right into it. So I kind of struggle. It, it can become a sensitive topic to discuss the, the like revealing of sources. So clearly I can't reveal the sources that I had in the story that I made regarding Greg Grippo and Victoria Fuller and the timeline with Johnny. And to be fair, the timeline is still up in the air. It's all over the place. We still don't have an agreed upon date that Johnny and Victoria broke up. We don't have an agreed upon date when Victoria and Greg started dating. And that's all fine. I've received, I call it very minimal criticism for my reporting of that story. But if you remember, I basically said two different sources have told me that Johnny was cheated on by Victoria. Did I say that right? That Victoria cheated on Johnny. Two different sources told me that. Obviously, I can't tell you who the sources were, but what I will tell you is this, when we look back on it, you know, the the old question, do you regret making the story? And I thought very, very deeply about it. I waited probably 48 hours but, but between when I first got the information and when I released the story. I looked at who the sources were, how close to the circle they were, and that they weren't both coming from Johnny's core friends. They weren't coming from people that you would say, oh, well, who wouldn't believe it if it's just coming out of here? It it didn't have the bias of it just being Johnny's friend. It had um, 
I mean, it's probably the closest information I've ever received from people. Now, again, we'll never know. No one else was in the room with Victoria and in her DMs with when her and Greg started talking. But we do know when she got engaged to Johnny, she communicated to Greg through a phone call that she was now engaged to Johnny. When she broke it off with Johnny, that's that's the question that we'll never have the answers to. Um, so to answer maybe a, a critic who might say, Dave, is it... Is it um, fair that you reported this when we don't know for sure that it's true? I guess my question would be, how much information do people want for for these stories to be uh, discussed? I mean, you're, these are these are stories where you're not going to get that smoking gun, and the sources are not random people that slid into the DMs. If I had random people sliding into my DMs, I'd have a story every day of the week about crazy stuff we hear. So there is a threshold, and I'm open for debate when people want to know what that threshold is, but the way I looked at it, would I make this story again? I don't know how more how clearer I could have been when I said that the that this information is coming from sources that doesn't have a receipt that you can look at, that doesn't have surveillance footage, that doesn't have all those. I said all that leading up. It almost, to me, just seems like what we're dealing with is um, people don't know how to critically absorb information and, and be like, okay, this doesn't mean it's proof. This wouldn't hold up in a court of law. Not that it would even go that far, but this is what people are saying. And these people I'm telling the audience are vetted in the sense they are verified bachelor people. That's all I can say. And um, again, would I do it again? Like I said, I might, I might explore ways to, to like preface this, but even if you preface it in a video by saying, oh, it's, you know, it's, 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 there's no smoking gun, but this is what's being said by these credible sources. Even when you say that people are still going to clip it up and then kind of get rid of that, um, exposition as you provide it. And all I can say is come back to my channel, look at the videos, look at the thumbnails, sources say X, Y, and Z, not she, you know, so I don't know how else I can do it. I think moving forward, I for sure don't enjoy that aspect of of what I do on the channel. Um, most spoilers and information like that doesn't come to me. It comes to Reality Steve and Zachary Reality and other people. And for that, I say good. I've never wanted to be the person and never <laughs> will pursue being the person who finds this information. I just, um, as I talked about on uh, Reality Steve's podcast yesterday, I um, received information that other people hadn't received and I shared it with a few people behind the scenes. And after receiving that, other people go, well, we'll see how it all plays out. And as it played out, we never really got proof in any direction that it was wrong. Um, and it'll just come down to um, not having a definition of when Johnny and and Greg, I'm sorry, when Johnny and Victoria actually broke up. We've no, neither one of them have shared the final receipts because it probably just looks like they're both sort of like, and this is kind of how the how politics work, but it's almost like both have have gotten their moral victories. Victoria got hers because she's now with John with Greg and they're happy and, and that's good. I'm happy for them. And Johnny got his because I think a lot of people feel that he got the short end of the stick. And that's as far as we know. Now I've reported this also. I've discussed this with the Patreon, some more tea for you guys, Bachelor Rush Hour here, that I've had people reach out to me. Uh, to do a sit-down interview with Johnny, in which case I would 
hear him out, but also try to try to make it as fair as possible and say, hey, look, come on, it takes two to tango. You guys were fighting this bad. What was going on? Talk to me about your jealousy issues. I would love to know what went through Johnny's head when he first Googled Victoria. He didn't know anything about her. Did that cause um, any 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 insecurity when you saw that she's kind of notable and well known within the community, and she's successful and all these things that you don't quite have a have a hold on yet? I'd love to ask all those questions. I don't know if the Bachelor producers would ever approve that conversation. And so when the people that reached out to me to have a sit down with Johnny, I said, yeah, sure, I would do it. But at the same time, I was like, I don't think they understand how this works. I am not on an improved list of interviews. You don't think that like my channel would love to interview different people like Clayton Eckert about his mental health. I reached out to Michael A, Clayton to, to talk about, I mean, I've been ghosted and not had a response. And even, and even people like Katie Thurston said, Dave, like they'll give you a response. They'll let you know if you uh, get approved or not for interviewing somebody. And I'm here to tell people I've never once had bachelor producers or the communications team respond to any requests whatsoever to interview people. I don't have the right to that. They're under the contract of ABC and Bachelor, but I think it's telling that all I want is a good faith conversation about some of the issues uh, that involve mental health and overcoming jealousy and codependency. And, you know, the this is normal things that happen in relationships. All I want to do is have those conversations. We're all better for it. And... I'll be surprised if Johnny gets the approval to have that conversation with me, but you know where to find it in its entirety. It'll be right here on Bachelor Rush Hour. All right, well, look, I'm trying to give you guys as much tea. I'm, I'm ringing out the tea, as it were, uh, as uh, we air out the uh, the dirty laundry of 2022. Uh, but uh, I think you're going to like this next clip where Clayton Eckerd not only discusses his fall from grace, but a little bit of the science behind why we do have these dopamine crashes. And uh, let me know what you guys think. Our first clip of the day, take it away, Clayton. Okay, let's get into this story. So I'm going to share with you guys what Clayton said about what's been pressing him, what's been on his mind with regards to the withdrawals that come from being the star of a show. I'm going to play for that. I'm going to play that for you in a second. But first, I want to share a clip that I recorded yesterday with Reality Steve on his podcast. I was driving from South Carolina to North Carolina over the border where I was going to take a flight from Charlotte to LA. The flight was on time, but it was this airplane airlines are a zoo right now. So, my my thoughts and prayers to anyone out there flying because it's a disaster. Either way, Here's what I had to say to Reality Steve about what I thought was the top story of the year. You on the spot, maybe should have given you a heads up, but anyway, it's not a huge thing. But off the top of your head, we're at the end of 2022. A lot has happened in the Bachelor world. Can you think of a story or a storyline from the year 2022? So that would include Clayton's season and uh, Rachel and Gabby's season and Bachelor in Paradise from this year. What do you think was the biggest story in 2022 in Bachelor Nation? Well, it's a good question, and there's several. But I think the hottest story was Clayton being accused of having sex by the acu- like by the lady. Not you know, it's not like third hand knowledge, but the fact that she said I banged Clayton last night, and she said it in a TikTok. <laughs> oh, that story! I thought you were going about the show. Okay, okay, that's fine. No, that's and a like, good one. And like, and then we don't even. And then he has to prove his whereabouts due to like through the GPS on his phone. Yeah. What the hell was that? Yeah. And then she gets 
the hot seat so bad. She kind of goes into hiding, has no idea what sort of trouble she was getting into, provides surveillance footage that clearly wasn't him. Yeah. What, it was, what a story, guys. So you can listen to our full conversation, Reality Steve's podcast. He does it daily. He does his daily in the morning. I do mine daily in the afternoon. I feel like we have an empire coming. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this story. Here's what Clayton had to say today um, about what he's been thinking. It's fascinating, and he's probably the forefront of alumni talking about this, and I think he should completely... Uh, own this platform as he discusses the sort of science as it comes with depression and all of the other issues that come from being exposed without prior warning. It's, it's like, so it's like becoming the bachelor, he came out of nowhere. That's like being in single A ball. Next thing you know, you're starting in the World Series. He had no slow rise to fame here. He said, the more willing we are to listen to others' perspectives, the more likely we are to understand them. Thank you to everyone that has taken the time to listen to mine. All right, let's read it. There's something pressing that's been on my mind that I want to be vulnerable and share with you all to bring a sense of awareness to this matter that I feel isn't spoken about, as many people in a position similar to me feel guilty for doing so. That, my friends, <laughs> is one hell of a sentence. It's this withdrawal or come down effect that often occurs post fame or post success. I've spoken with various individuals that have been in the spotlight and then all of a sudden are out of it. And when they are removed from it, depression can often follow suit. We just aren't as enthusiastic about life as we were in the moments where we were experiencing a more exciting lifestyle. But why is this? Why can't we just go back to what we knew once before? In my experience, it has to do with dopamine releases, something we as humans don't typically consciously control. Known as the feel-good hormone occurring in the brain in a sharp drop in them as we acclimate back to post-success life. We no longer are getting these natural highs where our dopamine levels are constantly elevated. It's quite the opposite, as normal life no longer excites us. A low or depressed dopamine level is directly correlated with sadness and lack of motivation, and since we are no longer experiencing the natural highs, we can fall victim to this state of addiction. We crave chasing the high as try and try to get back to what we once had because we just want to feel good again. We are creatures of comparison to a fault and it can be dangerous. In this last year, I've landed a helicopter on a yacht, traveled the world, dune buggied on the black sand beaches of Iceland, went inside a volcano, rented out an entire palace for a dinner date, stayed in a penthouse suite at one of the nicest hotels in the city of Toronto, had VIP access at multiple events and clubs all around America, and so so much more. And then it was all gone. I was no longer the hot commodity. And even though I said I was perfectly fine with that, I couldn't help feeling sad. I want to go back to normal, but normal is tough to go back to when you've experienced the unbelievable. I'm not sharing this message for sympathy. I'm sharing it for awareness because I feel many others in similar positions go through this withdrawal effect. They want to be happy, but the sharp, sharp drop in dopamine levels can be similar to overcoming an addiction. It makes it challenging to acclimate back to a sense of normalcy. And what's worse is people make them feel guilty for expressing their struggles and either knowing, knowingly or unknowingly invalidate their feelings through telling these individuals, you should be happy. Look at everything you've experienced. You've done more than most people. So you don't have a legitimate reason to be upset. And oh, boo-hoo. You have to get a normal job again like the rest of us. I feel so bad for you. 
And boy, do we see these in the comment sections. These comments don't help, are insensitive, and often come from a place of ignorance and or envy. Trust me, many of us want to return to normal and are taking action in order to find happiness in more sustainable areas. But our bodies and minds must first return to normal as well physiologically, and that is something that is mostly out of our control and requires a significant amount of effort to combat. Again, I don't want your sympathy. Many of us don't. We just want to feel seen, heard, and understood. That's all anyone really wants. Thank you for your time. Signed, Dale Moss. No, Clayton Eckerd. And of course, the comment sections are going to be people that uh, that feel for Clayton. The Mental Wealth Podcast, who Clayton I just, just spoke with, said, just want to affirm you, brother. Thank you for being open and honest about your journey, both with me, multiple platforms, with your upcoming book, etc. We need voices like yours. Ash Talks Batch said, well said, Clayton, appreciate your openness, vulnerability, and use of the platform to promote mental health awareness. So in on and on, people are relating and saying they feel Clayton and exactly what he's saying. Dopamine, it's a good thing. It's a feel-good reward. It tells our body, like, all right, do more of that. It's why sex, we release dopamine because it helps us procreate. We like sex. It's most notably involved in helping us feel pleasure as part of the brain's reward system. Sex, shopping, smelling cookies, baking in the oven, all these things can trigger dopamine release or a dopamine rush. It plays a role in learning and attention, mood, movement, heart rate, kidney function. So it's good for the body, absolutely. But of course, it comes with a price. We look at if your baseline level is 100%, and again, this is just a chart that doesn't factor in where in, in your brain and body dopamine is being released, but food can uh, can increase that by 50%. Video games, sex can double your dopamine, cocaine, quadruple, amphetamines, methamphetamines, and of course, the list goes on. So just chasing that high. Now look, as a stand-up comedian, and our next video is going to discuss this uh, as um, more in depth. But as a stand-up comedian, you're chasing that high of getting the approval from the room. Nothing is better than killing having a great stand-up set in front of a packed crowd. Nothing says I belong more in society. I'm wanted. I'm valuable than doing your job well. You feel like you have a place. You feel like in your your identity is carved out. So when it's taken away, like in Clayton's scenario, it's so easy and low IQ to be like, boo-hoo, go back to your normal job like the rest of us. That's like pulling somebody down back to the place where you're, like anybody who's happy with what they're doing doesn't say, boo-hoo, come back. It's, it's, it's a very jaded feeling, right? And I know this from a more specific place where I look at my relationship with sugar, which I've talked a lot about. I'm looking forward to going keto. I'm trying to get through the holidays and not, you know, completely completely fall off the wagon, but I'm, I'm going to spend all of January 100% avoiding sugar in all of its forms. Sugar's effect on the brain. Like sex and dopamine, sugar and dopamine are also heavily linked. When an individual eats sugar, the brain produces huge surges of dopamine. This is similar to the way the brain reacts to the ingestion of substances like heroin and cocaine. Researchers think that this might be because our bodies have adapted over time to seek out foods that are high in calories. For most of human history, it was important to eat a lot of calories in order to survive. With modern food technology and the widespread availability of high-calorie foods, at least in Western nations, this is no longer necessary for survival. And not to mention, sugar is, you know, uh, corn syrup is subsidized because corn's subsidized. So corn syrup uh, replaced sugar and they're putting in everything from ketchup to bread to everywhere to barbecue sauce. It is everywhere. So it's like imagine being addicted to heroin and they just sprinkle it on your French fries. Like what? I had pizza the other night and there was there was sugar and honey drizzled on the pizza. I was like, this isn't fair. This isn't a fair thing. I can't uh, I can't avoid this. 
So anyway, I, I look at this because I, I have a sugar problem and I also do have a problem with um, staying in my own lane and the dopamine rush that comes from the highs and lows of performing stand-up comedy, which is a very raw art form that, of course, has, like I said, it's highs and lows. I get a dopamine rush when a video does well. The channel's very uh, performing very poorly this week uh, as it's the week between Christmas and New Year's. Barely anybody's watching. So I have to deal with the fact that, oh, is my, my career is sort of tied to its performance-based. And Clayton, I'm sure, is extremely performance based. So he did. He probably that's what got him to 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 become a professional athlete and overcome being a walk on college athlete. I mean, this guy has had successes every step of the way. He is so driven, and he has put himself in a position where he quite possibly can't succeed, not in the traditional mindset, because he can't compete and and speak um, uh, you know rational thought to a lot of the trolls and a lot of people out there. So my advice for Clayton is keep sharing these thoughts you're having of inadequacy, keep sharing the thoughts of dopamine withdrawal, um, dealing with haters online, your mental health, because it's people like him, six foot four, ripped guy, has everything going for him. And for him to be able to talk about like, look, this isn't enough. I still have to deal with this. It shows other people that, oh, the solution to your problems isn't teeth whitening or Botox or whatever it may be. Those are all things you can, by all means, go get. But the solution comes with regulating those feel-good hormones to a sustainable level, not all or nothing. That's, that's you know, when you're in a toxic relationship, um, you fight, you make up, the, the dopamine release. I get it, guys. Codependency. I get it. Get it. If I could link my problems with codependency, sugar addiction, and other, I mean, like that's the goal, right? Is to solve all of uh, our inner child issues. And Clayton, I can't thank him enough for the work he's doing and sharing about all of this. And we also had a video today that discussed. Victoria Fuller and Greg Rippo deciding to go back to Italy on a trip. And the whole uh, the whole video was uh, sort of looking at why they may or may not um, get engaged, which is crazy to talk about. But who knows? Maybe Italy's got a special place in their heart. I'm not going to share that with you all here uh, just because it's a little bit of barrel scraping and we're kind of running short on time. But you can go check that out on the YouTube channel, the Greg Grippo, Victoria Fuller um, uh, topic of going back to Italy. All right. Well, in our second and final clip of today, of the day, I'm going to share with you uh, Katie Thurston uh, Instagram story discussing a stand-up bomb she had last night. So without further ado, let's see what Katie has to say about the art of bombing. The uh, the rule, the general rule of becoming a uh, an excellent uh, professional is 10,000 hours. The idea that you got to put in 10,000 hours is kind of the Malcolm Gladwell tipping point. The Beatles didn't become the Beatles on day one. No, they spent years honing their craft, and that's what you have to do. And Katie's sharing her story about coming from basically never doing stand-up before to essentially her first set where she got to open for Whitney Cummings to now working the system, the system being open mics, doing shows, producing shows with audiences that you curate, trying to get, you know, trying to tighten your act, this and that. Here's what she had to say about the growth. Tonight I learned a new phrase. It's called barking. And it's what a lot of comedians who want stage time got to do to earn their spot. You're on the streets with your little flyer and you're like, come to tonight's show. So I joined my friend Austin. I bark tonight. 
Don't say I didn't put time and energy in. I put in the work. I don't care what kind of what kind of head start you think I have. I'm still gonna start from the ground up. So if you saw me on the streets of San Diego, yes, you did. You know, it's an impressive because we all we all have different sort of moral compasses that guide us in different paths. And it's interesting here that Katie uh, seems to be really uh, really wanting to be perceived as doing the work when it comes to stand up, which I respect. You got to respect that. You know, someone who has a close to a million Instagram followers, close to a million TikTok followers, building her YouTube channel, can probably generate an audience, get booked on shows. There are going to be comedians that look at her and go, "Ugh, who? What's this white woman going to tell me?" funny she just gets to pass the you know the line putting in your due so it shows here that she's putting in her dues and the idea of like she mentions kind of like the idea of privilege when it comes to um where you start you know the, the i think it's important we talk about nepotism a lot it's been a conversation that's that's being had a lot in the entertainment world nepotism being that your parents got you something i love ben stiller he we just watched his meet the fuckers and other you know he's great 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 comedic actor his dad's jerry stiller so there clearly is nepotism that's involved in hollywood like any other trade it exists and nepotism just gets somebody a start, a head start in the race, as it were. Privilege um, comes in so many different ways, whether it be gender, race, uh, looks. I always talk about the the uh, pretty privilege or the privilege of attraction, just growing up and being born with certain symmetry that others might not have in our society is a privilege. Privileges are usually things given to you that you didn't quite earn. Not to say she didn't earn being the bachelorette, but she knows that that's not going to get her any extra laughs on stage, but it is a very unique journey she can talk about. So the idea that she and other former contestants are harnessing what they love applying a little bit of their following to it, which helps them promote it and grow it. That's a good thing. Susie Evans, videographer, Clayton Eckert, talking about mental health. Nick Vile enjoys uh, uh, dating. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, so we've all got different things that we love. And you see real influencers that, that actually have longevity. They build that through doing things that they love and applying it to that following. So like I said, that's what she's got going on. And good for her for being okay with starting in the bottom. Most people with their egos, and trust me, I've met a lot of them. They want things a certain way because they want to look like everything's perfect. And we see a lot of this from alumni. We, it, the perfection is the enemy of good. Katie, like comedians, it's almost like the humor doesn't come from the perfect. It comes from the destruction. It comes from the demise. It comes from the distraught moments. Because I was there handing out the flyers, aka barking. Number two, the not so great part. Here it is. Tonight, a bomb. She said I effed up tonight. I bombed. I bombed, you guys. I bombed. Let's just call it for what it is. Hey, good to know when you've bombed. You know, sometimes you can't polish it up. Sometimes a good shellacking is just that. But am I gonna try again? Yeah, I'm gonna try again. I always say this, if you're not bombing, you're not trying hard enough. Bombing's all about, uh, you know, uh, pushing the limits on what you know to do and not just reading off your script. I wrote these jokes. Here's what I'm going to say. No, it's about trying. But don't get me wrong. There are ways that you can minimize bombing. Uh, those ways would be, you know, uh, relating to your audience, being likable, uh, having an economy of words, which means getting straight to the point, really sharpening what you want to say or do. But also it really comes down 
to being likable to the audience. So here she posted, doomed from the start, my subscribers got to see 34 seconds of various failures. So here she is. What's up, Hello. <laughs> she goes, Sup, people. I said hello. And yeah, like already she's probably like, oh geez, the audience isn't on board with me. And that's what happens. It can it can literally be a matter of maybe you're get introduced as she was a former bachelorette, and then you have an audience of people going, Oh yeah, so she's gonna be real funny. And then it, it comes down to like how do you break through to them? She posted a few of her recent uh clips from her from her, I believe, first show after doing a few open mics here. Let's have a watch. Oh, I refuse to do that. just lost it. Hold on. I hate TikTok. Here, right, let's try this one more time here. Okay. Being an adult is really f***ing hard, okay? I went to Home Depot the other day. I was buying... Anyone have a hoe face? Oh, gosh. Hold on one second, folks. I'm just... Okay, here we go. Being an adult is really f***ing hard, okay? I went to Home Depot the other day. I was buying paint for my wall. Just white. Just simple white paint. And the main role is move the mic stand. And also, like, she's going to learn... You know, do everything with a purpose. If you're going to swear, swear with a purpose. If you're going to pace around the stage, do it with a purpose. I still find myself a decade into stand-up on stage kind of like talking to people like I'm fighting them with this nervous energy. It takes a lot of skill to go up on stage and and, and like cement yourself and ground yourself. They talk about this with acting, like ground yourself in the scene. It takes a lot of skill to get rid of that, that natural nervous energy that's going to happen. <laughs> guys, how many shades of white there are? So many whites. Like, how do you pick the right white? And then I thought, this is probably what the uh, producers of The Bachelor feel like. When they think, <laughs> 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 All right, got a good laugh. And, you know, it's one of those things, like I say, keep doing, keep doing the, the same bit, find different ways to say it, and eventually you'll find the best way to say it. It's like lightning striking down. Lightning's going to try to hit ground. It's going to ground itself. It's the path of least resistance, like like water in a river. And stand-up's the same way. You need the path of least resistance. How, you know, you need to be able to say the joke in as little as words as possible and, uh, you know, get the audience laughing. Anyone have a hoe face? Driving over like the bumps in the road because it feels good. <laughs> like women aren't bad drivers, we're just horny. <laughs> no, and I, and I love the premise. Women aren't bad drivers, we're just horny. I would take that premise and I would be like, we 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 get so horny driving over bumps in the road. I literally took a vacation to Boston. Hey, have you ever driven on the roads in Boston? I need, you know what I had to do? I, and I'm just, I'm just, you know, I didn't think of any of this. I'm just kind of spitballing, but like, you know, I, I drove, I drove to the farthest gas station away because the potholes were so bad. Luckily I ended up there. I could, you know, buy a pack of cigarettes. I don't know, you know, whatever, uh, you know, something stupid like that, but yeah, it's a, it's a funny premise. And a premise is an idea. The punchline is how you sort of workshop that idea. So she actually probably could benefit from starting with the premise and saying, women aren't bad drivers, we're just horny. Because that line alone is like interesting. We're not bad drivers, we're just horny. You ever hit a speed bump in yoga pants? I don't know, guys. It's all about the visual. I'm at the dentist and his fingers are in my mouth and I'm like, hey, do not suck on his fingers. <laughs> He's like, spit. And I'm like, okay, daddy. These are great punchlines. <laughs> Look, I felt really good about that joke until I realized my dentist is actually here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to shave. Um, please cancel all my appointments until further. 
funny is if, if if she continues to do I would continue to do this joke even if he's not in the room and just find a guy who looks like a dentist and then you can build crowd work into that conversation with the guy who might not be a dentist. Hey, I think these are I mean these are really solid bits, but what you have to understand is you're not always gonna have a warm audience. So the idea of leaning into your audience is 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 tearing down whatever this facade is that can exist when you perform stand up sometimes the audience isn't really held accountable and you're kind of like putting up this defensive wall there and the idea is literally leaning leaning over that so you can connect with them and if the set's not going well talk to the audience know when it's not going well learn how to get out of it and that's kind of one of the lessons that Katie's going to be working on as we all do in the world of comedy well, it looks like that'll do it for us today. I wanted to shout out Jill, who gave us our last Apple review on the podcast world. She said, Dave is my driving companion. I always have his voice on in the car. I love his points of view on so many different topics. Occasionally, I have a thought or feeling about something he's talking about, and then he says something that makes me say, well, I didn't think of it like that. It may not always change my mind, but I'm usually more likely to see a different point of view, and I appreciate that. I feel like I've grown as a person, as cheesy as that sounds. Thanks, Dave. Well, thank you, Jill, for the nice five-star review. If anyone else out there wants to drop a five-star review i'll be reading them on the air i appreciate you you can go do that on your apple or your iphones and uh, oh if you don't have an iphone you can go to uh, wherever it is you listen to podcasts spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, tune in wherever it is and try to find a way to leave us a nice review or at the very least share us with your friends whatever facebook community you're in that either enjoys these types of conversations or a bachelor audience we appreciate all of you guys that have been sharing it on your instagram stories tagging me i will anyone who shares this podcast today i will reshare it to my social media at dneals once again i appreciate you tomorrow we'll be back for a little friday edition of bachelor rush hour <laughs>